What's going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of our regularly scheduled talk and TV content, and I am joined once again by Luke Reviews. We did Apple TV last week, and this week we're doing Apple Movies with another movie from one of our favorite directors of the last couple of years who is not at all developed a problematic reputation for himself, that being the one and only Matthew Vaughn with the first original, and I use that in very loose quotes, film that he's done in quite a while. That being Argyle, starring Henry Cavill, or maybe not so starring Henry Cavill, along with a massive ensemble cast featuring the likes of Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Sam Rockwell, Samuel L. Jackson, Ariana DeBose, and John Cena. Luke, do you have any thoughts before we start to break down exactly what this film is? Well, you know, Dom, I'm starting to think that I am the real agent Argyle who demanded this discourse. At, 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 at this point, it would make more sense than anything we saw in this movie. <laughs> Uh, all of that and more on today's episode of the Talking TV Podcast. Good grief. All right, Luke. So last week we were talking about the sh the strike, right, and how much of how basically all of the 2024 content had been impacted by said strike, and how pretty much we were going to have to wait until 2025 to get some good stuff. And I don't want to be the doom and gloom naysayer like only a month into this new year, but I'm already starting to get a little worried because I mean, ever the minute that this trailer, this is one of those movies that just felt dead on arrival. The minute that this trailer came out, where it's like, oh, great. Everyone's just, I'm like, it's it's Ant-Man 3 and Amsterdam all over again. People are just going to shit on this before they even give it a chance to come out. And, well, I will definitely say that I enjoyed parts of Amsterdam and Ant-Man 3 was a pretty much gigantic, colossal misfire. I mean, I had hope, right? Matthew Vaughn, he hadn't directed an original movie since that first Kingsman movie. And it was kind of been mired down in franchise held. There have been rumors of as that like he was going to direct other things for years now. There were rumors that he was going to do a Superman reboot. And now he's potentially still considering doing that. There were rumors that he was going to come back and finally direct Kick-Ass 3. Bunch of other things that he's been tied to and attached to. But before we get into this movie, we got to break down Matthew Vaughn as a director. Because I don't think I've seen another director that's probably had as interesting a career as this guy has had, to say the least. Because... He starts his career in the early 2000s. Like he, He's always been compared and said to be like the lesser Guy Ritchie. But I would actually go out of my way and say that he's, his career is sort of closer to Barry Sonnenfeld in the sense of where he has pretty much Wait, only... Sorry, I just have to Google who that is. Barry Sonnenfeld is the director of the Men in Black movies. And I bring that up for a very okay. specific reason. So he starts his movie, his career, directing a pretty interesting uh, indie spy action movie, action movie in the vein of James Bond, also ironically starring somebody who would later become James Bond himself, Daniel Craig, Layer Cake. And then he directs an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Stardust, which is a lesser-known novel, which I actually think is a very underrated movie. I think it's quite incredible. It features a vast array of people that would eventually become big and massive and famous and talented. And... So then, obviously, his I, I would say that his big, not break, but his big, like, you know, when the mainstream starts to become aware of him is when he directs Kick-Ass in 2010, which was kind of like, I would say, like, in the transition from the late 2000s to the early 2010s, before kind of the Marvel machine took over, you had this string of 
interesting off the beaten path kind of like indie comic adaptations, you know, which is which kind of like developed these really heavy cult followings. You know, your Scott Pilgrims, your 30 Days of Night are all kind of released around this time period. 300 is also in this time vein as well. Watchmen and such, you know, a lot of people that are directing these like off the beaten path, like different kinds of, you know, non-traditional comic books. You know, Persepolis is released as an animated movie that comes out a couple of years before that. But Kick-Ass has a big impact, you know? it's The the, the thing about it is that it, it it made stars of Aaron Taylor Johnson and Chloe Grace Moretz will also kind of... It's also the movie that kind of brought back Nicolas Cage after a couple of years of doing some some pretty bad movies, you know, before... Or acted, rather, as the cap-off for a slightly problematic two, 2000s before we got into what was arguably probably one of the worst decades for Nicolas Cage's career possibly ever. Then he directs X-Men First Class, which a lot of people have said... And I know for me, at least, was the savior of the X-Men franchise that like we would not have kept getting X-Men movies if not for first class. The fact that he came in after a previous director had already walked, the fact that they basically had no script for that movie. And he turns that movie into, uh, again, it's like one of, one of the, one of, I still remember like that movie having a very vivid impact on me in middle school. It is truly one of the more underrated and one of the best superhero origin stories ever. I'd, I'd say it's the best live action Marvel movie. Just there is that, that's, it's, that's it's just up how, there. It's, how, I, how good I think it is. It's it's definitely up there for sure. And then obviously he directs Kingsman, and that that first Kingsman, like I like you didn't see that in theaters when it came out, right? No. Yeah. You, but you, you, you but were, since then, I'd say probably since say 2016 that's my most watched movie just yeah. how many times i've seen it like, it's that... up there like i remember seeing the trailers for that and being like what the hell is this because like that was at the time right before like everything was tongue-in-cheek and everything was self-referential we're at the time seeing that i'm like oh this is kind of cool this is new and different they're like riffing on james bond and jason Bourne. they even have like a ton of jokes in the movie you know taking off on that and like it's and, like it's a really interesting and cool subversive take on not only the spy genre but also like class warfare and whatnot i thought i thought that was like quite interesting interesting and also probably got one of the best late career performances out of Sam Jackson. I think it's, it's per, again, 2015 being like the year where Sam Jackson books that bookends that with King, the first Kingsman in February and then hateful eight in December. And then it feels like it just like every movie that he's done since that. I'm just like, what happened? Like what the hell happened? Like the second Kingsman garbage, but the Kingsman prequel, which he only did because Taron Egerton had scheduling conflicts with billionaires boys club and rocket man. And that movie, I didn't even watch it based off just how many bad reviews it got. But so I was waiting. I'm like, Matthew Vaughn, when is he going to come back? When is he going to come back? Like, it's just a couple of stumbling, stumbling blocks. He's, he's, he's fine. He'll still he'll be able to get his groove back. And then the trailer for this comes out. And I'm still hoping. I'm like, man. I'm like, he's got Henry Cavill. This has to be good. It has to. And after having watched it last night. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you take it from here, Lou, because I, I still need a minute to like process my thoughts. Well, just to talk a bit more about Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, First Class was probably the first place that I, I, I knew of him. But this was before I knew that directors existed and different directors had different movies. Uh, but then we did eventually get to Kingsman. I just watched it one day at, on my laptop. And then I guess that, that fandom took off for me. I watched it a billion times since. Uh, of course, we get to the Kingsman too, which, look, I know people don't like it, but there's a lot more in that movie that I do like than I don't like. Like, and I just really love the the characters like Eggsy and uh, Harry and Merlin. Like, just that dynamic is enough for me to to enjoy it a lot. So then we get to Kingsman, the Kingsman, which I had, I had really high hopes for. Like, okay, we're getting Kingsman movie in World War One. But then it, it tried to be a war movie, and then it tried to be a Kingsman movie. It was just 
misguided, but all the the, hit, the Hitler post credit scene was just like just a, a moment in time that it was like okay, actually happened. But Arga has been a very anticipated movie for me for a while until the trailer released because yeah. I thought okay, I love Kingsman, I love the Matthew Vaughn spy movies. This is something new. And it's like, oh, it's, it's it's the writer. It's not actually real. Henry Cavill's not actually the real guy. And I was like, oh. But then as I got closer, I rewatched the trailer. Okay, it doesn't look that bad. Ron Tomatoes score comes out. Okay, maybe it is that bad. But then I watched it. Okay, it's not that bad. Like I, I, it's a silly movie. I like the silly movie. And the way I put it, it's Baby's first Kingsman movie. It's 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 Kingsman, but it's toned down and it's not as good. That's that's how I'd summarize it. Yeah, I think to put it in perspective, it's – I think everybody going into it just based off when they heard the premise versus when the trailer came out. I think that it, it, most of the time, right, it's like you see the trailer and you're expecting a different movie based on what the trailer tells you than what the movie gives you. But now I feel like it's gone like a step further where now it's like, okay, you hear what the premise is promising. And you're like, yeah, Henry Cavill in a spy movie directed by Matthew Vaughn. This is going to be awesome. He's He's been in good spy movies be before. Un exactly. Man from Uncle. Exactly. Uh, that's it's my not favorite Guy Ritchie movie. Luckily, we have Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Ironically enough, like and, and I want to save that, and I want to save that because we're going to come back to that near we'll the end in terms of, like, again, like that, the Henry Cavill spy action movie that we thought we were going to get versus the one that we actually got. And, again, it's when that first trailer comes out and you realize, wait, Henry Cavill's not the main character. He's this character he is that is every actually – He's in the middle. He's of in every poster. poster. He was the guy that they were using to promote this movie – and I, I guess we just got to get this way out of uh, out of the way now. The number one thing that this movie has going against it, more than anything that's wrong with the actual movie, is the fact that it is once again a clear example of Hollywood just screwing Henry Cavill over, just screwing him over. Like they just like he needs to be in more of the movies. I just I, I I just I don't understand what they have against him. I really really don't. Like okay, I get it. The DC thing. Zack Snyder lost his daughter. That was tragic. And everybody, even the studio knows, they're like, yeah, we, we, we were in the wrong here. You know, like, so that, that happened. Then the Witcher thing. It's like, oh, Henry Cavill, he knows more than us. And he won't let us, like, get across our woke bullshit uh, message. And, and, you know, he won't let us, you know, not adhere to the games. Like, we don't want to. And we clearly, since we clearly don't care about it, oh, he's got to go. You know, we're, we're, we're going to replace him with, with, the less, with the lessest of the Hemsworth brothers. Okay. So now you're like, finally, this after getting screwed over like so many years in a row, right? Or we get him promised back as Superman at the end of Black Adam. And then a month later, they're like, nope, he's out as Superman. After the, that, the that was one of the funniest that, 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 that was just, it was just hurtful. It was just hurtful. It's like, man, they could not let this guy have anything. They really can't. He's just. Uh, he's, except for in like the last seven years, Mission Impossible Fallout. He was. Right. But that's it. But, that. that's, but, that's, but that's one movie. And that's one movie. Like, exactly. So, so that's the thing, right? So you have all of this. I just realized I knew there was a movie that I was forgetting to put on my letterbox of him. But anyway, so. You, you have so, – so finally, 2024 is shaping up to be the year of Henry Cavill, right? He's in this, right? He's in that, that awesome spy outfit. He's with Dua Lipa, who's in that fucking gorgeous dress. And it's like it, – it, it's like I'm like, yes, we're back. We got it. We got, we got like, the, 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 the spy parody thing. And then it cuts to Bryce Dallas Howard, like, writing. And I'm like, wait, he's a character that she's writing about? I'm like, okay, not the movie I was expecting, but I've – I've definitely learned to temper my expectations in the last few years. 
as far as what could, uh, what we expect, I'm like, okay, so this is going to be a different one. I'm like, so they're going like a little bit of an extra step into the into the meta spy commentary thing. You know, instead of just having it be spies who make quips and jokes, now it's like, oh, you have like people who wish they were spies getting drawn into that world. I'm like, not something we haven't seen before, but okay, I'll bite. I'll see where this goes. And then Sam Rockwell showed up in the trail. I'm like, okay, this could, this could really be something interesting, you know, because Rockwell is one of those people that like, it's funny, I just started watching Galaxy Quest for the first time, and Galaxy Quest is great, but, like, Rockwell is just one of those guys. You throw him into anything, and he just makes it, like, ten times more interesting than it already is, you know? He even, like, I, I, know, I know we all love Richard Jewell, and Paul Walter Hauser is an absolute phenomenon, but, like, it really is the one-two punch of Walter Hauser and Sam Rockwell, two people who are just really criminally underrated and underappreciated. Even though Rockwell's got an Oscar and Paul Walter Hauser just recently won an Emmy. I still feel like Rockwell, the story of Rockwell's career is a guy who has just never gotten the appreciation and the love that he deserves from being, uh, again, like the, the fact that he had Galaxy Quest and uh, the Green Mile in 99, one of the most interesting careers where he has all of these pop-ups as in all these like bit character parts where he is just batting a thousand way harder than he has to. You know, like Matchstick Men, Charlie's Angels, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, his small part that he has in Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Then he ties up the 2010s with Moon, which is one of the most underrated science fiction movies ever, you know, to go into being possibly the most underrated villain in one of the most underrated Marvel movies with that with Iron Man 2. I agree and, with that. And, and that he's the best part of that movie. The, the best probably. part about that movie and a performance that is so much better than it has any right to be. Like, Rockwell shows up in this, and you're like, yeah. And when Sam Rockwell can't even say this from being, like, as generic as it is. So, I, I, you know what? I guess we should backtrack a little bit and probably break down exactly what this movie is about. So, we have the opening scene, right, where we're introduced to Agent Argyle. It's a typical, like, spy setup scene. He's chasing Dua Lipa. He's got John Cena and Ariana DeBose as, like, you know, two right-hand men. We're like, okay, we're going to get, like, another spy genre. Then it cuts to Bryce Dallas Howard. We have all the points in the trailer where she's, like, a book author that's been writing about this um, about the, about this character named Agent Argyle. And it's become, like, a very uh, famous, you know, author as a result of it. She's made a lot of money off of it. Then Sam Rockwell comes into the train, starts protecting her from real espionage agent because apparently... She through her novel, she has somehow been able to predict uh, everything that has happened for as, as far as um she's been in able the to world of espionage in world and, espionage and essentially over the, world of the last five years. Where essentially you have this super secret evil organization called the Division, which is led by Brian Cranston's character that has been attempting to uh, find this this data that's contained literally inside of a silver bullet for the last five years, and she has been essentially. And she has essentially been writing like, like, like the events that will essentially lead the syndicate to them. But because her last book was left off on a cliffhanger, now all of the agents are after her and want to find out, uh, you know, what, kind of, you know, how it is that she knows everything. And it may not be in the way that everybody is expecting her to. So that's the setup that we have, right? And naturally, it ends up evolving and going for twist after twist after twist. Just the first. Uh, my question is, Luke, were you able to predict any of the twists? Because I feel like the biggest twist of this, right, going in, it's it's kind of the attraction, right? Who is the real Agent Argyle? You know, like is well, it the freaking cat? And I don't know about you, I predicted the twist as soon as as soon as we saw we got done with like the sequence that we saw in the trailer, right, of them like falling off the roof and bouncing onto the thing, and then they go to like the safe house, whatever. As soon as that happened, I immediately figured out. I'm like, yeah, it's her. Like, 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 I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if again, if it's just I've seen so many of these movies at this point. But I'm like, I figured out the twist pretty quickly, and I feel like once that happens, the movie kind of loses 
track and kind of goes off the rails. I, I don't know if, if, if you feel the same way, but. Well, for, unfortunately for me, a certain old tweet resurfaced on the, on Twitter this week where it basically says the, the, the premise of the movie. I was there and like, oh, so it's not the cat. What a shame. <laughs> but that, that would have been just like a big F you if it right. was the cat. And maybe that would have worked because I think what this movie, there's just nothing that warrants like a big reaction. Like Kingsman, it's, you might say like in quotation marks, offensive in some way. So it warrants some kind of reaction. This is just... There's just nothing right. there. It's just kind of plain. Like I, I said, I enjoyed it because it's a silly spy movie. But like by the by halfway, I was like, okay, this is not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. I'm just enjoying it. But there's nothing that that's like memorable that's gonna cause a lot of discourse. Like okay, it's just it's just not good. Uh, twists wise, there were a few. Uh, one I definitely got like as soon as it happened, the Ariana DeBose one. And, yeah, uh, like, okay, I, I, that, I did not that, think that's who she, that's who the she is in the email and the yeah. Uh, although the very last like shot of the movie that was I d- it did not quite catch that one where where something is revealed. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, no. we'll get to that when we're breaking yeah. out all the twists in the spoiler section. Yeah, it's it's a matter of like. It's a movie that ultimately is a little bit planet to say, you're right. It's exactly the opposite of Kingsman in the sense of, and Matthew Vaughn talked about that they've kind of, that they did force him to do a PG-13 rating. And I don't know how much I, that's I, like, I, I believe that. Through. There's like, no blood in but this. But there's so I've, many I've times noticed. where it's like, again, the action is trying so hard to be like the first Kingsman. But unlike the first Kingsman, it doesn't have any of like, like the, the, the thing that was so fun, much fun about that first Kingsman is the fact that, you had all of the blood and you had all of the guts and it was shot in a very cartoony way, but it still had an impact. And like when people died, like you really felt that they died. It's kind of like impressive how he was able to pull that off. And here there was none of that. Here this is about as PG-13. This is about as safe as you get. It's all the colors, but none of the actual blood and guts. They're just mowing through like... I did enjoy bunch. one very colorful scene. I was like, oh yeah, that's from the Kingsman movie. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're right. Like it feels derivative. It feels like we've seen it before yeah. in the Kingsman movies. It's all color. And it's also to the point where it's like the choreography and the mix of the CG and effects, it looks fake and it doesn't look genuine and it takes me out hardcore. And it's like, it feels like after like the final twist, if you will, is revealed, it literally feels like, okay, we just have another 45 minutes of Philip with just inane action sequences and none of it is fun. It doesn't have any to say. It literally felt like I was I was in an inverse universe from watching the first Kingsman movie, where that last 30 to 40 minutes, I'm having so much fun watching all the violence, all the action, all the choreography. The score is blaring. I'm having an absolute blast watching Eggsy kick the shit out of Sophia Batella's character. And here I'm like, I'm bored. I'm bored. I know exactly what's going to happen. This doesn't have any stakes to it. You have, like, the bad guys trying to provide commentary. It's not interesting. They all look bored. And so that's what, and, and so that's there's no urgency. There's no right. urgency. Like Kingsman, there's everyone's killing themselves. You got to take Valentine's hand off the, off the table here. Right. Everyone's like, oh, head's you gotta, literally, you got to hit send on the file. Yes. You got to hit send on the file. Exactly. Like you, and also cut in the images of the outside real world where it's like, yeah, you actually have like real people that are like killing each other. If you don't stop this thing, you know, and here it's like, what, what, what are the bad guys intentions? Even like, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get this silver bullet so they can, own all information so they can stop it from getting to Samuel L. Jackson's character who's gonna like who's watching the Lakers to the world but but they but they but they all die anyways and, and the ship gets and they're the evil ship that they're on gets blown up so like so that doesn't even make sense so as far as that goes right it's the fact of trying to take away from like the real world spy antics and actually like intriguing and interesting things just to kind of make way for like jokes and pratfalls and 
order to provide for a commentary that honestly, I have to say, it's like, so the movie is clearly trying to be like, oh, like anyone can secretly be special if they're removed from their like domestic quiet life. So like, it's basically, this movie is basically trying to be like the Kingsman, but for introverts, essentially, where it's like, oh, you don't have to be an introvert if you don't want to. And like, it's another one of those things where I'm like, I'm grasping at straws, but I do kind of understand what I, they're I didn't going catch for. that at all, to be the honest. The problem is that it doesn't that, that work. goes to show how much. Right. Well, the really problem is that it doesn't work because you clearly had this other much more interesting movie that you were setting up. And then you were like, oh, let's go with this other not as interesting movie where Again, you have the stuff that happens with Cavill and with um and and with John Cena, and then you have the Bryce Dallas Howard character, and I feel like that would have almost would have been more interesting as if you like had those characters showing up, and she's like, wait, why are the characters that I'm writing about all of a sudden showing up and being real? So like, but but then for them to do this twist, and it's like, oh, but it was actually you, and you're just recapping events that you remembered but you're making them in these completely different characters, you know, when it ends up being like a semi love story between her and Sam Rockwell. And I'm just like, I, I, I think, I don't I think your version definitely would have been a bigger swing, but at least it would have been a swing. of, of Right. It would have been something at least. And like, and also it's like, tell me what the state, what bad guys are after, you know, you have this silver bullet that has information on it. What'll it do? We don't really know. It's just, it's really bad and we have to just get to say it. It's nukes or something. Right. Just give like... us something. Just give us something to work with, you know? Um, but there's none of that. There's none of that here. So we went over how it wasted Henry Cavill. We went over the actual premise and how it screws up. Now it's interesting because I was literally talking to Dustin about this last night and Dustin, as per usual, has so many good points that again, I just wish that like the average movie fan would have. And he's like, the reason why I brought up the comparison to Barry Sonnenfeld is because Barry Sonnenfeld directed Men in Black. You know, pretty interesting, pretty different science fiction movie. You know, it was a little bit of a different take on it. It, 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 it had actually some pretty interesting commentary as well. It was a fun, solid action movie. It was goofy, but it was also threatening at the same time. You know, it kind of balanced everything out. Then Men in Black 2 comes out and it just goes off the rails. And it's like, okay, we're just going to be goofy for goofy's sake. We don't really have any stakes. We're kind of just like only focusing on like the crazy designs of these creatures and just like how dumb the antics are going to get. And then it kind of continues with Men in Black 3. And so the reason why I compare it is I think Men in Black 3 is the best one. Actually. Men in Black 3, I will not say is the best one, but it is light years ahead of Men in Black 2. I will say that. I would that. agree with that. But it's kind of what's happened to Matthew Vaughn. Where Matthew Vaughn has spent so long directing these Kingsman movies that, like, it's kind of all he knows how to do. And he's kind of, like, thought that he's, like, become so much smarter than he actually is that he's kind of gone off the rails. To the point where, like, every time he has, like, an inkling of a good idea, it just gets buried in, like, all of this extra bullshit that we really don't need. And especially with how the twist, uh, on top of all the other twists that have happened, comes in at the end. When Cavill does show up in real life, because, right, the whole thing is it's like, oh, so, all right, I, I guess, right, we've been hinting at it this whole time, and I guess we'll get it out of the way now with spoilers. The big reveal is that Bryce Ells Howard is the real Asian Argyle. That's that. That's the whole thing, is that she was a spy, she was playing double, she was, she was, you know, she was playing uh, double, uh, double duty, working both, you know, for the division and trying to take them down, and then she went rogue, she got into a really bad 
the, what is it, like a skating accident? They weren't very skating clear as accident. far as what happened. She it, got it was really a skating bad... accident of right. some sort. Right. She was brainwashed by the division into, th into thinking that she was like this docile author, Catherine O'Hara, who's been posing as her mother this entire time, is actually another like evil agent working for the division. Brian Cranston, who is the division's leader, has been posing as her father this whole time. And like I said, that's supposed to be some big twist. But how I think do you with... how do you waste Brian Cranston? Bam. It's been the story, I feel like, of his career for the last, like, almost it's 10 outside years. of Breaking Bad. For like... the last 10 years now, yeah, since Breaking Bad. And it's really only just been last, like, flying and, like, one or two other things that he's been well utilized in. A couple of voiceovers, too. And it's funny because I predicted, so, so you have, right, that they stop the bad guys, whatever, whatever. You have some crazy action sequences. Then you have at the I, end. I, I enjoyed the ice skating on oil. Even that though was fine. Even, even that was though the fine. physics it don't just, make sense. The physics of that. By that point, I was so checked out and bored yeah. because of the action sequence that happened before that. I'm like, yeah, no, none of the physics here makes sense. None of this shit makes sense at all. So I, I was waiting. I'm like, okay, this movie is so stupid and predictable. I'm like, Henry Cavill's going to show up in real life, you know, eventually, right? And that's the other thing too that makes no sense. They have her like, Constantly flashing back and forth and imagining, like first Sam Rockwell's character is Henry Cavill, then this, then this thing of where she's imagining Henry Cavill being there, sitting there, talking to her. But like Henry Cavill was never a real character to begin with. No, it, was it was always her. It was always her. So like, why is she imagining this character when it was just her? So that already didn't make sense. But then at the end, they've solved everything. They blew up the ship. They killed the bad guys. She's released the sixth book, and. Then Henry Cavill actually shows up with like a mullet on and he's supposed to be a fan. And he's like, oh, and, and he's doing a bad Southern accent. He's like, oh yeah, you ripped off my life. And I'm like, okay, what is going on now? Like this really doesn't make any sense. So I forget either, what he said. But... It's something about the lines of like, oh, I think you have something to explain to me. And then there's, you have the post credit scene with some flashback to like the actual agent Argyle who was like a Kingsman agent. And I'm like, okay, and now I'm really confused. I'm really, really confused. The bar, was the bar called the Kingsman? The bar was called was, the Kingsman. I was like, whoa, is this in the Kingsman verse? Right. That's <laughs> like, are we about like, to see Colin Foote show up? But they don't even actually tell you that it is. They're just like hinting no. at it. Oh, man. It's so dumb. It's like, uh, it's like Matthew Vaughn is like so desperate to like, like continue his own stupid Kingsman universe. It's like, how about just give us the third Kingsman movie like we originally wanted and make it better than that, Kingsman? That is too? all I'm asking for. I saw him some interview with him, like when just like a quote that he has the beginning and the end figure out. Mr. Vaughn, if you're listening, just watch some Bond movies, hire some writers, like it's get not the that middle difficult. sorted. It's and really put it out. It's before really, Colin really Firth not. can't punch anymore it's really yeah. not that difficult but and like i said it, it's always the case these directors always take their time and drag their feet with these sequels because they're not interested and they don't want to do them but they have so many different uh fans that are clamoring for it you know taron egerton is in his 30s now i think he's getting up there almost uh, yeah he's in his early 30s colin firth is no spring chicken colin firth is getting up there in age you know so yeah, I just I, I I don't know what the I don't know what his obsession is and what these directors' obsessions are with staying in these franchises, especially because if you look at his contemporary, the guy that he's been compared to the most, ironically enough, Guy Ritchie, has almost quite literally been doing the opposite. Where Guy Ritchie had his point where he was stuck in blockbuster hell. I thought he did some good work with the Sherlock Holmes movies, which I actually still very very much enjoy. And then he does. King that King Arthur movie and Aladdin, both of which are pretty negatively received, but he gets out of blockbusters real quick. And ever since 2020, ever since he kind of came back to that like mid-budget, like 
spy action route, or rather crime-centered action route that he's been doing since 2020 with The Gentleman, then Wrath of Man, then Operation Fortune, and then The Covenant. And now he's got the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare coming out this year. Like, Guy Ritchie's been kicking ass recently. And he's, again, sticking to original concepts, mid-budget level, working with a lot of people who he's worked with before, but he knows going, they're talented. Going back, back to his roots, back to going what back he to his knows roots. Best. Good scripts, good, solid scripts, good, solid, enjoyable stories. And, like, I don't understand what's so difficult about that. I really don't. Like, what is it that Guy Ritchie has got in the grasp of that Matthew Vaughn just cannot seem to understand? Matthew Vaughn is just, like, pigeonholed himself like J.J. Abrams, where J.J. Abrams worked on TV forever and then, like, produced and directed a couple movies, you know, got his production company going. And then just for directing-wise, just got admired in franchise hell and now is, like, to a point where he just has no desire to direct anything else. He's just producing now. And honestly, I can't say I blame him after the Star Wars debacle. But... Yeah, it's just sad to see when, like, this is the best that dire- that certain directors can come up with. And, I mean, Bryce Ellis Howard, man. Like, I-, I-, I just feel like it's, like, ever since Jurassic World, like, I'm not saying she's a bad actress. She is actually a quite a good actress, you know, all, all, the-, all the nepotism aside. That might and- be an even better director from the few right. Mandalorian episodes. Exactly. Her, her Mandalorian episodes that she's directed have been incredible. Although, with Disney, I never actually trust that the directors actually yeah. get to, you know, direct. But, like, first of all, she's... She's completely miscast in this movie. She is completely 100% miscast in this movie. I was literally talking to Dustin last night. And he's like, yeah, Blake Lively would have been so much better for this part than Brian. And I'm like, actually, yeah, kind of. Like, because Blake Lively, A, is a better actress than Bryce Dallas Howard. B, can cover the dynamic range, like, a lot better than Bryce Dallas Howard can. Like, Bryce Dallas Howard is kind of a one-note actress, you know? Like, she doesn't do... Anything other than, like, the kind of stuck-up, uptight, or, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Or, like, kind of, like, nice, like, you know, like, suburban mom, essentially. She doesn't really do anything else other than that. And, like, that part, as far as nailing that part of the character, she does fine. But it's everything else that happens when she's expected to, like, turn into a badass super spy all of a sudden. Who's uh, They're essentially doing a total recall thing. Like, I'm just listing off the movies that they're ripping off. I'm like, yep, that's total recall. I'm like, yep, that's uh, what's it called? You know, this other spot. I had like a list of movies that I that like this was ripping off and that like I already forgot about because that's how forgettable this was. And literally, it's funny that they did reference the Kingsman at the end because when Sam Jackson shows up in this movie, I'm like, okay, so it's Valentine, but he's, he's a, good a good guy, guy now. now. And not to mention, <laughs> and, not, like, and not as crazy. Not to mention the fact that he's got the same name as Tom Hardy's character in Peaky Blinders, which I thought was really also confusing. So I'm like, is I that supposed that was to be familiar. another reference? I'm, like, I'm like, is that supposed like, to be another reference there? Before. I'm like, I'm, I'm, so I was just confused by that. And then his whole thing is like, okay, so he was in the CIA and now he just hides out in this Spanish villa, just in this underground bunker watching the Is Knicks. he his character from the Hitman's Bodyguard now? Right. I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what is, I'm like, what is going on here? So yeah, it's, it, the, the, the best that I can say about it is that Rockwell's so good that he basically carries this movie on his back. But again, the fact that, like, Rockwell's supposed to be, like, the sub-in for Henry Cavill's character. It's like, I almost wish that it's like, I literally feel like I'm watching two different movies here. And they're trying, and I haven't said this about a movie in quite a long time, but I feel like I'm watching two completely different movies here that they're trying to stitch together into one. And I'm just like, I just, it it it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. But it's from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn, as seen in the trailer, of course. Don't you know that great marketing tactic from the twisted from the just, twisted mind of Martin Scorsese? This is just why marketers, like, every single movie marketing company needs to, like, get fired and, 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 uh, and, and resized up. Because all Hollywood movie marketing is just terrible now. Because 
Hollywood doesn't know how to make good movies. And so they rely on their marketing in order to try and make things terrible. But you have an entire audience that spent a decade with the terrible marketing. So they know all the tricks and ins and outs. You know, Hollywood will forever continue to assume that audiences are dumb. And they are until they're not. And when you spend a decade like force feeding us with like certain marketing tactics and gimmicks, we're going to start to pick up on it eventually. And I'm glad that you also brought up that tweet because you're right. The movie like was so not confident in itself that it spoiled itself before it even before the trailer even came out. That they literally that, said that tweet from from like 2021 or something. Right, where Bryce Dallas I... Howard is making a is making a movie where she's like a writer that's actually a spy and like. If you knew that going in, but it's like they make it into like this big twist where it's like, oh, she's not a spy, but everyone wants her. Oh, but turns out she is a spy. It's like, why did you just tell her that she was a spy in the first place? I feel like we could have avoided all of this. I just don't know. There there are a lot of decisions made. The worst one being that Henry Cavill was not a large yes. part of the movie. Uh, and I think that that's where it started. Like, okay, yeah. we're going to make this 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 buddy, buddy cop spy movie thing yes. or, or whatever. We ended yeah. up with spy romance. It essentially becomes like the Mr. and Mrs. Smith or like what, what's it called? It's uh, it essentially becomes almost like Jupiter ascending, but as like, uh, but as, as a spy movie where it's like, Oh, it's this regular person. Who's like actually the, the, you know, this super secret talented person that, you know, this reluctant also ridiculously attractive protector needs to come in and save her, but he's also in love with her. It's like, okay. Like we, we, we we've seen this before. We've seen this so many times before. So Again, the best that I can say about this, it's derivative, it's predictable, it relies too much on its twists, uh, it has too safe of a script, the action is boring. Man, just... And, and we, we haven't even talked about the fact that this is an Apple TV production. Like, what the hell, Apple? What's going on here? We were literally just praising you last week. I feel like this is one that... That they 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 they, they could could have gone the the Warner Brothers route and wrote it off, but I don't think Apple Apple's Apple the type, to, type to do that. Apple won't do that. Plus, they had too flashy of a marketing campaign. Also, the fact that this is one of the only movies I'm pretty sure they never had a different trailer. They had the same trailer. No, they had the used... same one, and I saw it a billion times. Yes, so <laughs> and I saw the Madam Web trailer again oh, when God. I went, and that's in two weeks. Christ Almighty! Oh, oh man. February, man. Fucked. I, 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 it's funny because, like, I'm trying to remember if February last year, February of 2023, was this bad. And I, 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 Ant-Man. I, we had Ant-Man. Exactly. That's, that's the big one. And I'm like, oh, wow. So February is just fucked. It's funny because, you know, I, it's funny. I'm working right now on my top 10 movies that are turning 10. You know, we talked about this last week and how what an incredible year 2014 was. And 2024, February of 2014, we got the Lego movie. And February of this year, we have this followed in two weeks by Madam Web. Like, but what then are we, we get doing? Dune, which is going to be a generational get Dune, movie, which apparently. Will be a generational movie. And so then that's going to be it for a while. At least until April. <laughs> hey, we will get some fun and interesting movies in April. But oh, man, 2024, we're already off to a great start, aren't we? Aren't we? It's this Argyle is, is my favorite movie of the year, so that, that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, how many movies of the year have you seen so Two. far? This and The Beekeeper, which was not very good. <laughs> I'm about to watch Orion in the Dark after we're done with this, and oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's good. I am hoping that that is good, is all, is, is all that I will say. But so, Luke, I feel like we've wasted enough time talking about this movie like I said, we, we, like I wish that we could put in the full hour to talk about it, but it's like we really can't because I feel like no. we covered everything that we need to. And honestly, this movie doesn't deserve a full hours long conversation. So, Luke, 
out of five, what would you what would you give Argyle? When I left the theater, I was like, okay, silly movie. I enjoyed it. It wasn't great, but whatever. Kingsman is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I think that just inflated my own rating. So I'm going for a, a barely a 3.5 out of five. But on rewatch, it will inevitably drop. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could dig that. Yeah. My, um, let's yeah. go watch the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Yes. Ministry of Ungentlemanly in, Warfare. It comes out. Like I said, April, you know, it's, you know, that you have a fucked up year when April is looking like one of your best years because just the things that we have to look forward to in April, we have Monkey Man, which is Dev Patel's directorial debut produced by Jordan Peele. We have Civil War and Fallout both dropping the same weekend after Civil War got pushed up. We have Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, Abigail, the vampire horror movie, and Rebel Moon Part 2, the Scargiver, all the same weekend. And then we wrap up that month with Challengers. And that's all before the fall guy. When April, which is traditionally one of the worst months of the year, is shaping up to be one of the best months of the year, you know you're in trouble. You know your year is in trouble. I was hedging on a three, on a three and a half, and then it dropped down to a three. And for the first half of the movie, which I, I'll admit I did have fun in the fact that Rockwell was carrying it for the most part, and he's so good in it. But, yeah, after finally consideration, yeah, two and a half. Two and a half out of five because the it's one of those movies where I'm like, it wasn't that bad. And then the more that I talk about it, I'm like, no, this sucks. This is, this is awful. So... I wish I could give it a higher rating, but unfortunately, I can't. Are you ready for Argyle 2, oh, if that God. happens? Oh, God, please no. I just want to know what, what the deal is. Like, if you give me, like, an answer. You know what the funniest thing is? That Matthew Vaughn made such a big deal about not coming back to direct Kingsman 2. And, Je and I still am of the opinion that Jeff Wadlow, who is not a good director, by the way, but did a pretty decent job with Kings with, with Kick-Ass 2. I still don't hate that movie. I think it's pretty good. And considering the movies that Jeff Wadlow's directed since then, it makes Kick-Ass 2 look pretty good in comparison, considering that, you know, he's followed up with movies like Truth or Dare and Fantasy Island. And he's got another, and, and he's also got this movie Imaginary coming out this year, which also looks absolutely deplorable. But Matthew Vaughn has kind of become a little bit like Jeff Wadlow in the sense of where he just does, like, shitty generic sequels that, like, feel like parodies of his own original movie. Like... It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to see what, what his next movie is. Oh, he's God. been saying it's Kingsman 3 for like three years. I'm like, okay. And now he's saying that now like, oh. is a good time to actually and, do and that. And he's saying like, oh, I want to do like Superman, Red Sun. I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay, I'll believe that yeah, one. Yeah, that, 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 one, that one's just like, oh. Why? Just And he why? said that thing about Star Wars like last year. Was like, yeah, we, we he was saying that Star too. He's, just, he's, he's trying to get it with all like the big studio people. And I'm like, why? Why you they have shown their hands that like that is not the direction you should take if you want longevity for a career you just shouldn't but so that's it that's our review for Argyle kicking off February oh this is already gonna be such a fun month I can tell next weekend we're gonna we're gonna be covering the Super Bowl trailers we're getting our first look at Deadpool three next weekend so we're gonna be talking about that along with all the other trailers that we have and all the stuff that we have to look forward to and There's then gonna we're gonna be a lot of trailers like Deadpool three. Yeah. Maybe A Quiet Place Day 1. Maybe A Quiet Place Day 1, I think they said. We'll probably get one more for the bike riders. We'll probably get another one for Godzilla and Kong. We might get our first look at Twisters, although that's unlikely. Um, yeah, like I said, 2024. So much to look forward to this year. Yay. Luke, happy to have you on again, as always, even if the movies that we're talking about are that good. Where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? Well, February may be barren, but I bring good news for my top 10 movies of the year is coming. It is in the editing process, so this week should it should be out. Uh, 
You can find that on Look Reviews on YouTube. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping for Friday. So sounds good. Keep an eye out, ladies and gentlemen. I, I will certainly be keeping my eye out for it. And as always, people, you can follow me with everything going on. Oh, wait, Luke, where, where can everybody follow you on the interwebs? Uh, YouTube, Luke Reviews. Same on Instagram, just with an underscore instead of a space. All right. As usual, like I said, guys, go follow Luke if you haven't already. And as always, follow myself, Movie Nerd Reviews, at Official Talking TV Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube, Twitch, all the above. This episode will be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts tomorrow. And as always, people, 12 scenes in a short film and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next week. 